Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Sam Rotman, many of you have heard him play piano here. He's a world-class piano player, and he goes all over the world playing the piano. And he was an Orthodox Jew, and when he went to Juilliard School of Music, there were three Christians that were also in the school, and they asked him, have you ever read the New Testament? And he said, no, he didn't want anything to do with the New Testament. He was raised totally different in the Jewish faith, and he read the New Testament. He ends up coming to Jesus Christ. And now God gives him platforms all over the world. I'm talking Russia. I'm talking China. I'm talking communist countries. And every time he plays the piano, he gives his testimony. And he gives his testimony of how he thought he was a moral, good person in good standing with God. But then when he heard the gospel, when he read those gospels, he realized that he was a sinner in need of a Savior. And when he comes here, we tell people, go invite invite unbelievers. They're going to come just because he's Sam Rotman. But when he's playing the piano, he'll stop in the middle of his performance and he'll get up and he'll tell people about Jesus. And when you talk to him personally, that's all he talks about is Jesus. But, you know, Jacob Prash's wife was with him on this last time Jacob Prash came and I had dinner with them and we were at Johnny Carino's. I'd never met his wife, Pavia, before. And Pavia comes, her family was a Holocaust survivor. She came to Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. She received Christ. And when we were at dinner and I was talking to her, all she talked about was Jesus. And all she talked about was the gospel. I wanted to get on my knees in the restaurant and cry out for repentance right there all over again. That's how strong she is with the gospel. There is nobody stronger in preaching the gospel than Jews that have gotten saved. Think of the apostle Paul when he came to Christ. He realized that the whole religious life that he lived before was totally outside of God's will. And when he got saved, you couldn't stop the apostle Paul. During the tribulation period, you're going to have 144,000 apostle Pauls. You're going to have 144,000 Sam Rotmans. You're going to have 144,000 Prashes preaching the gospel all over the world and people are going to come to Jesus Christ. God will seal them. They are going to be the group that will not be martyred for their faith and they're going to continue to preach until the Lord comes back because God has sealed them. Do you realize that even you, as a believer today in Jesus Christ, that you were sealed? Do you realize that? In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14, it says, In Him you also trusted, speaking of Christ, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. You are sealed. You are sealed by the Lord. And check this out, guys. You were sealed for a purpose. God has kept you in this world, and he has sealed you 
to be one of his witnesses. Do you realize that? That your highest calling in this world is to serve God and witness to Jesus Christ? God has left you here for a reason. He has not taken you home for a reason. How great would it be when we answered the altar call that we would be taken straight to heaven? Beam me up, Scotty. That's it. Just take me up. I mean, that would have been nice, huh? We would have been spared all the tribulation of this world. We would have been spared all the trials of this world. And, you know, how many want to receive Christ? Chris, last week, if you want to receive Christ, just stand. Imagine when they stood, they just, boom, straight up to heaven. That would have been nice, but God has left you here and he sealed you with the power of the Holy Spirit, and you are called to be his witnesses. Now, I want you to see something else in this passage, and that's God's promises to his people. They are going to be fulfilled. Some people believe that God is actually through with Israel. Some people actually teach that when Israel as a nation rejected Jesus as the Messiah, that God was finished with them, and now the church has replaced Israel. And that is the furthest thing from the church, and that also breeds anti-Semitism. We don't believe that here because we believe, like here, in chapter 7, you've got 144,000 Jews that God's going to save, and He's going to save them at the end of the tribulation, the rest of ethnic Israel. Romans 11, verses 25 to 27 says, this is the Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Speaking to the church, so the church wouldn't be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. How many are a Gentile here this morning? If you're a non-Jew, you're a Gentile. And if you're here and you're a Gentile, and you have not gotten saved yet, you may be holding back the plan of God, so I'm pretty mad at you today. One thing that students of the Bible have noticed here in this seventh chapter of, of Revelation is the odd listing. When you look at the 12 tribes, it's a weird list, and I'll tell you why. There's 19 lists in the Old Testament, and in the Old Testament, they may be in different orders, but they leave out certain people, and they include certain people. For instance, in the Old Testament, when Israel was given the allotment of land in the promised land, each tribe had their own land. They had their own homestead. They had a certain territory, but the Levites were not given a portion of land. And the reason they weren't given a portion of land is because they're God's priests. All the priests had descended from Aaron. They were all Levites, and God wanted them scattered throughout the land because that's what priests do. They're to minister to all the people. And if they were given an allotment of land, they would have been in a certain section of Israel. They were given certain cities, but they were never given their own portion of land. And so Levi was one of the 12 tribes that was not listed. But what God did, instead of listing the tribe of Joseph as having a land, he listed his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, splitting it into two so that there were 12. Why? Because 12 is a significant number with God. It is the number of completeness. It is the number of human government. And so you've got 12 tribes of Israel, and you've got 12 apostles and so forth. And so Levi was never listed. But this is weird because now you've got Levi listed, but yet there's a couple other that aren't listed. 
You've got the tribe of Dan who was always listed. He's not in this list. You've got the tribe of Ephraim who was always listed, but he's not in this list. And so the question arises, well, why would the list change? Why would Dan be excluded from this list? Why would Ephraim be excluded from the 12 tribes? Why did he list them this way? In this list, he includes Levi. In this list, he includes Joseph to make up for Ephraim, but Manasseh is also included. So you've still got 12 tribes, but those two are excluded. And the reason is, is because they had a bent towards idolatry. In fact, the tribe of Dan had caused the people of Israel to stumble into idolatry. We see that in a few scriptures, but in Judges chapter 18, verse 30, it says, Then the children of Dan set up for themselves the carved images. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land, that Dan was instrumental in setting the people up for idolatrous worship. Ephraim also had a bent towards idolatry. In Hosea chapter 4, verse 17, Ephraim is joined to idols, let him alone. That's what the scriptures say. Imagine that. Think for a moment. Here is God pouring out his wrath on a God-rejecting planet, Christ-rejecting planet, And at the same time, there's going to be the greatest movement of salvations that the world has ever seen. And those two tribes are excluded from the service. Are they going to be in the millennial kingdom? Yes. In fact, in Ezekiel 48, it actually lists them. And they are in the millennial kingdom. But are they going to be used by God during this time? They're not going to be used by God during this time because they've excluded themselves specifically due to idolatry. When the world, when the tribulation period hits, you're going to see the world really go after idols. The church is going to be raptured. It won't go through the tribulation period. They are a restrainer in some sense to the evil in this world. But once the church is taken out, you're going to see all hell break loose. You're going to see man really live on his own. You're going to see the rise of the Antichrist, one of the most depraved individuals that has ever lived on the face of this planet. You're going to see people that are just going to be shopping till they drop. There's going to be Black Friday shopping every day of the year. When Babylon falls, it says in chapter 18 that the merchants are just weeping. The merchants are weeping. They're weeping over the world system that has collapsed. And man, I I don't know about you, but I want to be used by God. And to think that these, these two tribes are excluded during one of God's most precious times in history as far as bringing souls into the kingdom, to be excluded from that is a tragedy. And that leads us to the next, the saved by God, verses 9 to 17. The saved. The saved are also going to stand. They're going to stand before God. They're going to be standing before the throne. The 144,000 are going to be standing on earth. And much of the ones saved during the tribulation are going to be a direct result of the preaching and teaching of this word. You're going to have two witnesses that are going to rise up in Revelation chapter 11. You're going to have angels preaching the gospel. Jesus said when the gospel reaches the ends of the earth, then the end will come. And that isn't going to happen until the tribulation period. But during that time, these 144,000 are going to be instrumental in reaching others. Now look, this is a new vision that John sees. It's connected 
But yet he sees something else because it begins with after these things. Look at verse 9. After these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. So John, all of a sudden, is taken from this vision of the 144,000 that are sealed for God to now seeing a vision of the an innumerable amount of people. No one can count them. No one can count them. That's how many people are around the throne of God at this time. And so in verse 13, John is asked this question by one of the elders. Who are these arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? John's asked the question. This is a teaching moment for John because one of the best ways to teach anybody anything is to ask them the question. If you've ever raised your children by teaching through questions, the Jews do it all the time, but it's one of the most effective ways because they have to think about the answer. John doesn't know the answer. He says, sir, in verse 13 or verse 14, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their roads and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The great tribulation. Jesus used that phrase in Matthew 24, verse 16, to speak of the second half of the tribulation period. The second half of the tribulation period is when things get really ramped up, when the world really begins to fall apart through the judgments of God. But these are the ones that come out of the great tribulation. During this great moment of tribulation, you're now beginning to see God even ramp up salvations. He's ramping up salvations to where so many are saved that they can't even count them. And I know we're praying for revival. We pray oftentimes in Saturday nights. We come in here at 8 o'clock at night on a Saturday night with a group of people, and we start to pray for Sunday morning service. But often what's prayed, too, is that this place would become a spark to trigger revival, not only in the Imperial Valley, but through the United States, but through the world. But to be honest with you, the worldwide revival is going to come during a time when God's wrath is being poured out in the tribulation period, in those three and a half years, in those three and a half years, there's going to be more people saved than any other period of time. People look at Pentecost, and they see the Holy Spirit poured out. Wow, 3,000 got saved that day. It's going to pale in comparison to what's happening in the tribulation period. You're going to have 144,000 Jews scattered throughout the world preaching God's word, and people are going to come to Christ And they're going to be pushing the gospel, and they're going to be pushing the gospel till many, many souls come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God gives people an opportunity. You need to understand that. God gives people an opportunity to repent. And during the tribulation period, there's going to be this opportunity to repent, but many are not going to repent. They're going to shake their fist at God and they're going to reject Him. They're going to get angry. They're not going to see God for who He really is. The saved are. They're going to hear the gospel and they're going to come to Christ. But much of the world is going to reject God and they still won't repent. Just like today. There's people in this building that refuse to repent. The gospel goes out regularly here. And people say, no, I want to live my life the way I want to live it. I don't want God to interfere. Church is nice. This music's great. 
the preaching stinks, but the music is great. I come in and I, I feel upbeat and all of that, and I like coming to church. It does good for my kids. They start to pray around the dinner table, but yet they themselves refuse to repent. They refuse to, they reject the love of God. Even though God continually throws it out, they reject his love. And so these are going to come to the Lord in the the tribulation period, and they're going to go from tribulation to jubilation. They're going to move from tribulation to jubilation. In verse 14, it says that they have washed their robes. They have washed their robes. They've washed them with the blood of the Lamb. Their robes are now made white. And when it refers to that, it it wasn't a work they did. It's not talking about earning salvation on their own when it says they have washed their robes. The only way that you can come to the Lord is through belief. That's all you've got to do is you've got to renounce your idols. You've got to turn to the Lord and come to Him in belief and repentance. And that's the only work that you can do for your salvation. Jesus does the rest. The filthy garments in Scripture are often used of our sinfulness. Filthy garments in Zechariah 3.3, when it speaks of Joshua, when he has this vision of the high priest. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. And there's a scene there, it's a courtroom scene, and that filthy garment represents his sinfulness his sinfulness. The white robes in Scripture are always a symbol of righteousness and holiness. And so Isaiah 1.18 says this, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. In Titus chapter 3, verses 4 to 5, it talks about the washing we receive. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. No wonder. I mean, their tribulation period is so short in comparison to what they're experiencing in salvation and this jubilation because salvation is a celebration. It is to be celebrated, that they are celebrating their salvation. You have angels and elders and four living creatures worshiping God around the throne. In verses 9 and 10, you see these that have washed their garments and they're waving palm branches. They've got those palm branches in their hand and they're saying, God saves. Remember on the triumphal entry, Jesus rides into Jerusalem his last week on the planet Earth. And he rides in on a donkey and they're they're waving these palm branches and they're saying, Hosanna. Hosanna means God save us. And yet they rejected them and Jesus wept because he said you did not recognize the time of your visitation the palm branches in the Bible stand for celebration they stand for joy and deliverance they've been delivered from the world Satan the Antichrist and the persecution they face they have much to celebrate they are before the throne of God now. They're no longer on, on the earth where they were receiving the persecution. They serve in God's temple day and night. God grants them His favor and protection. They no longer hunger and thirst. The elements can no longer harm them. Christ will shepherd and nourish them. 
God will relieve them of all their sorrows. He'll wipe away every tear they ever had. We should celebrate our salvation. For you and I, salvation is something to celebrate. It is something to to be joyful about. It is something to hop and skip and sing about. In John 16, 33, Jesus says this, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I mean, you and I, we look to Christ. He is the conqueror. He has overcome the world. You and I have overcome that. You may experience loss. You may experience death. You may experience tribulation. But all of that is overcome through Christ. And you will stand before the throne one day. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, the apostle Paul writes, Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. Those two terms, they're neighbors. Exceedingly joyful in all of our tribulation. There's a couple that recently came to Christ in my office. They'd come in for marriage counseling, and at the end of the marriage counseling session, they received Christ. They, they realized they needed Jesus in their life. And then just this last week, they were back in my office, and we were talking about church and everything. And she said, man, this, this church isn't like the church I was raised in. When I come into this church, everybody seems so happy, and they seem so joyful. Well, yeah, we should be celebrating our salvation. Amen? You have a great salvation. One of the biggest celebrations of the year is New Year's Eve. I mean, people go out and they tie one on. They stay out all night. They drink. They party. There's orgies. There's all kinds of this stuff. And really, when you ask them, what are they celebrating? I mean, what kind of substance does that have to it? But here we have salvation. And we have palm branches that we should be waving. Listen to the application to us. This is what I want you to take out this morning. Renouncing the idols in your life makes you useful to the Lord. When I looked at this and I contemplated the 12 tribes and how God was using them in such a glorious way, it's amazing to be a part of God moving like that. But here Dan is excluded. Here Ephraim is excluded. And idolatry will always exclude you from being useful to the Lord. And Christians can be so much a part of this world and entrenched in so much of this world that they're really not being useful to the Lord. John 17, verse 16, Jesus said in his high priestly prayer, he said, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world, that you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Now check this out. The church of Thessalonica was a role model for how we should live today. Listen to what, what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8-10. to 10. It says, The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. 
Renounce the idols in your life. You'll be useful to the Lord. Romans 6.23 says this, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.